0: Hey, good morning encounter. Happy New Year. Great to be with you today. And I think we start with a clap of praise to the Lord today to be together as a church. Amen. I'm so happy to be with each and every one of you today. My name's John. If we haven't met before, I'm one of the pastors here at Encounter and so thankful to be with you today, worshiping Jesus Christ. And if you happen to be a guest and you're newer at our church family, as Lindsay shared earlier, I'm looking forward to meeting you face-to-face at Encounter 11 right after this service. It's 11 minutes of connection. And if you have children, we got them covered until you get out of there, so don't worry about that. And it was great getting to see so many of you at our Christmas Eve celebrations. Wasn't that wonderful? I think we just praise the Lord for what he did during that time. So many guests and so many people just coming that you invited. Good job inviting friends and family. Uh, When you connect all three services together, there were well over 1,200 people on our campus through those three services. So praise the Lord. That's 1,200 stories of people that God is at work in their life and each of them on a journey. And God is on the move. I heard so many different great things from the, from just talking with people. Uh, one person who came to Christmas Eve had never been to church in their life. Someone else who came would just had tears in their eyes because they were celebrating that they gave their life back to the Lord a year before and were sober for this last year. Praise God for that. Yeah, Give the Lord a hand. There was a whole bunch of people that I met that hadn't been to church since COVID and were reconnecting and recognizing that it was time to live on mission with a church family again and get back into community. One person I talked to had been coming the last few months and uh, just recently gave their life to Jesus Christ. So, so many good things to praise God for. One of those good things was just a spirit of generosity uh, that you all shared as a church family Uh, in each of our Christmas Eve services this year we had what we called a christmas generosity opportunity and we had three services and each service had a different opportunity and we actually received a second offering in the service about 5 or 6 minutes after our general offering where 100% of what was given was uh, given uh, to the to the uh, need that was shared and so I, because not everybody was at all the services i wanted to share those needs with you one of them Uh, was our Tender Life maternity home here in Ventura. And there's been all this great work going on in the outdoor area of the Tender Life home. And they just needed some funds for an outdoor patio set for the many things that go on outside there. Uh, The other need was a teenager in our church family who was in a motorcycle accident a few months ago. He's paralyzed from the waist down, and they just had a number of needs in their family in this next season. Uh, The other was a young boy It was part of our church family, uh, eight years old, and his mom passed away a few months ago, and his dad had passed away about 18 months before that, and just a number of needs uh, in that family, and it's my privilege, and I hope you'll praise God, that for each one of those needs, we are able to let them know that over $9,000 was raised for each one individually in the services. So <laughs> praise God for that. It's a little under $30,000 that was given uh, just to distribute it among those needs, and I personally had a hard time keeping it together because we actually shared the news of what the gift was at the end of each service, and I was so touched by the impact of doing a second offering in the services that I think we're going to do two offerings from now on. (laughs) Like, I'm convinced that's the way to go. I mean like 30,000 extra dollars? Here we go. I'm I'm ready for this. You think I'm kidding, don't you? Yeah. We're not done with the offering yet today. Here we go. No, I I'm, I'm just kidding on all of that. Uh, and I will be sharing with you what we what was raised just with our end of the year giving campaign that we are uh, calling Reset. It takes a few weeks for things to settle, but I'll either be sharing next Sunday or the week after. Well, today we are beginning a message series that we're calling Reset, because we want to reset some of the most significant relationships that we have through the power of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks resetting our marriage, and not everybody is married, but I have a sermon coming up on marriage that you are not going to want to miss, whether you're married or not married. We're going to be talking about resetting our friendships and what that means as we enter a new year. And today we're going to look at an ancient Christian discipline that can strengthen us spiritually and reset our devotion to God. I would tell you that it's one of the least popular, least practiced spiritual disciplines that are out there. I sometimes refer to the spiritual disciplines as spiritual arts, these things that we practice in our relationship with God that draw us close to Him. And the one we're talking about today is called fasting. And we are inviting you to start today or tomorrow 21 days of congregational prayer and fasting as a church family, and to set us all for up for success on that, we're going to talk about what fasting is today. And I know that as soon as I mention fasting, there's probably like 20 or 30 other topics you'd probably dream about talking about as we begin the new year. In fact, I know that like on the interest meter, it's like if I mention marriage, it's like, you know, whether you're married or not. You know, if I mention friendship, it's like, you know, 'Cause we always have things going on with friends, but as soon as I mention fasting, it's like, ooh you know, it goes it goes back down this way. And I just want you to know that's okay. I, I think part of that is because we really seldom teach on the topic. And I would tell you that I grew up in a fantastic church. I'm so thankful for the foundation of faith that the church is Calvary Church in Las Gatas, that gave me as a a young person, a young adult. But I would tell you that I I don't know if I was ever heard a message or uh, any kind of lesson on the topic of fasting. It wasn't until uh, one summer, my parents would always farm me out uh, to my uncle and aunt's farm in Lodi, California in the summers for a few weeks. And I'd work for my uncle, who was a farmer. And I remember one morning at breakfast, Annie Carroll had made one of her famous farmer breakfasts, and I was sitting there eating it, but Uncle John was nowhere to be found. And I'm like, Annie Carroll, was it a bad meal today? Where's Uncle John? And she said, well, he's in his office. He's praying and fasting uh, this week. I didn't really learn about fasting until I met some people who were fasters. And the fact is, we don't talk about fasting nearly enough I truly do believe it's one of the best kept secrets in the Christian world and for the modern church. And yet, I want you to know that this isn't like a magical spiritual discipline bullet. Uh, It's really a devotion of the heart that draws us in closer to the Lord. And so let me just define it for you, if it's a new idea to you. Fasting is giving up food or something else for a period of time in order to focus on God and prayer. Let me say it again. Fasting is giving up food or something else for a period of time in order to focus on God and prayer. Fasting is not saying no to the goodness of food or the generosity of God in giving it to us. Instead, it's a way where from time to time, we say having more of the giver surpasses the gift itself. Amen? And that being said, I'm going to tell you that Fasting is actually a fairly challenging discipline. I've heard it said by people, why do they call it a fast when it goes by so slow? <laughs> and if you've ever fasted, that's what you'll experience because you're giving up something for a period of time and so you have this hunger for it. And so time actually goes slowly. And yet when we look at the Bible, the Bible is like a list of who's who's of biblical fasters. Let me just mention a few to you. Moses fasted. Hannah As she prayed for a child, fasted. David fasted. Elijah, after defeating Jezebel, fasted. Ezra, when mourning Israel's faithlessness, fasted. Nehemiah, when preparing to go on a trip back to Israel, fasted. Esther, when God's people were threatened with extermination, fasted. Daniel fasted. Jesus, when he began his public ministry, fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. Paul, when he came to faith, fasted. The Christians at Antioch, when they sent off Paul and Barnabas on a missionary endeavor, fasted. Paul and others, when they named leaders to the churches, fasted. And in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 16, we begin to hear Jesus talking about this topic. In verse 16, we read, And when you fast, Jesus says, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your Father who is in secret. But I'm sorry, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jesus, in Matthew, right after teaching on the Lord's Prayer, which we all know, Right after teaching the Lord's Prayer, as he's talking about how to talk to God, how we pray, he begins to talk about fasting. He connects teaching about our regular prayers with this spiritual art, this discipline, this tool that he gives us. And I find it kind of interesting that when talking about prayer, Jesus actually expects that his followers will fast. And I don't know if you've ever caught this, but in that verse, it says, Jesus says, when you fast, he's actually teaching that there's this occasional pattern where we can use this tool that God's given us to draw us closer to him. And he gives some very specific instruction on this form of prayer. He says, when you fast, fast for God and not for show. And he's saying, avoid improper motives. Make sure you're fasting for the right reasons. And he mentions not being a hypocrite. Now, I know that whenever we hear the word hypocrite, who do we think of? Yeah, we think of the person sitting behind us, or the person in front of us, or the church down the street, or the person we came to church with today. You know, We think about just about everyone else. But actually, Jesus wants us to think of me and you. When he talks about hypocrites, he wants us to think of pastors and elders and youth leaders and the congregation and everybody in the church family He wants us to think of the entire church. He wants us to think of back row Baptists. And I know I've shared this before, but every church has some good back row Baptists. I know who you are back there in the back row. He also wants us to think of the people in the front. Usually in the front of church are the holy rollers, just letting you know. They're the exciting people, and I love my holy rollers up here near the front. And then usually somewhere in between the holy rollers and the back row Baptists are the frozen chosen, all right? You, you know who you are when we are worshiping in song. You are secure in the love of Christ, but you are not going to raise your hands. You are not going to clap your hands because you do not want to pull a spiritual muscle. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it's okay. God loves you and I love you. But anytime we read that word hypocrite in the Bible, it's actually a really personal invitation for someone like me to go, hey, Field, that's my last name, check your heart on this one. And I know some of you this morning are probably thinking, well, I don't have to really worry about being a hypocrite about fasting because I've never fasted, so how could I be a hypocrite? But I'm actually sure it really works that way. And look at what these people were doing that was so hypocritical. They were looking gloomy on their faces while they fasted. This is a little bit like when John Field gets sick. I'm like the worst sick person in the world. When I get sick, I'm like, woe is me. I want everybody else to be unhappy around me. When my wife, Amy, gets sick, I mean, she is just tough as nails. She keeps on moving in life. But I'm like, whoa, I want everybody to be unhappy around me. And, and for, in this case, these people who were fasting, they're like, woe is me. They're like, I am so spiritual right now. And I want you all to know it. how much I'm sacrificing so that I can give up for Jesus in this case. And so Jesus says, when you fast, do you catch that, when? When you fast, instead wash your face and put on some oil. That was cultural back then, but basically, man, dress nice, smell nice, look nice. And it's not that people won't know, uh, but it just won't be obvious to them, because your main motivation is focusing on the Lord and not focusing on yourself. And here's the reality. Whoever you live with and eat with in life, they're going to probably know you're fasting, especially if you choose to do a food fast instead of maybe an activity fast. And so you kind of have to let them know. You don't want to show up at dinnertime if you're doing a food fast, of, you know, some item of food. And, you know, your spouse or your roommate cooks this great meal and you're like, they put it in front of you, you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't eat that. I'm like, why? Well, for Jesus. You know? I'm fasting. So you've got to kind of let people know it doesn't really work very well. And look at the end of Matthew 6, verse 18. It says, That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so Jesus says, When you fast, God will reward you. And this is that part where we start to realize that, hey, maybe we're actually missing out on something if we've never really tried to fast before. Because part of the reward of fasting is just closeness with the Lord. The reward is more of Jesus. And the Bible doesn't say what the reward is or exactly how it will come, but you can rest assured that Part of fasting is that God wants to bless you, and He responds to hearts that seek Him. And what's really interesting is in the verses that follow, uh, Jesus goes on to say, don't store up treasures on this earth that fade away and rot and get destroyed. Instead, store treasures in heaven. And He's talking about fasting in the context that He talks about that. Now, I know that you're probably going, okay, what, what is it exactly? So basically, when you fast, like if you're doing a food fast, in this case, we're talking about fasting for 21 days. And so we're saying, pick something that is a blessing in your life, something good that you love and food-wise, you have it all the time, and you choose to not have it for a while, And as you get hungry for that item, you let that hunger draw you into presence and into prayer with the Lord. Or maybe you're going to fast from an activity, some aspect of social media, the six o'clock news, but I... I kind of think that may not be a blessing in the first place. but anyway, if that if that's a blessing to you that you'll you know you're gonna give in that time that you would do that activity, you would take some time to pray uh, during that. And I say eat and so just you know it could be many different things. It might be giving up sugar for twenty one days or coffee or chocolate or whatever it may be. And I know even as I say that, some of you are still not convinced. I can see it in your faces out there. You're just humoring me. I, I get it. Yeah, I totally understand it. You're kind of thinking, you know, Pastor John, it wouldn't be a good idea for me to fast, especially from food, because when I get hungry, I get angry. And my family, they don't like me when I'm hangry. I know you guys are out there. I have people like that in my life. Or you're thinking, doesn't the Bible say we're supposed to have life to the full in Christ? In fact, doesn't the Apostle Paul say to eat a lot? Pastor John, have you not read 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, that says this, But I buffet my body. (laughs) It's right there in the Bible, okay? I buffet my body. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says, I buffet my body. It's easier to buffet your body. We've been doing that for the last few weeks at Christmas and New Year's uh, than to buffet. He says, but I buffet my body and bring it into bondage, lest by any means after that I have preached to others I myself should be rejected. And I take that to mean that Paul is saying that some aspect of ascetic discipline, physical discipline is really powerful in our fight for faith, where God is actually directing us to temporarily give up something good, a blessing, so that we can become full on God as a result of that. And what you choose to give up, it's, it's more about having this heightened focus on God than the thing that you choose to give up for a period of time. And I want to emphasize this. We're, we're inviting everyone, whether you've been here for one Sunday or for 100,000 Sundays, uh, maybe not that many, but 1,000 Sundays. I think it's possible for some of you out there. Uh, but we're asking you for 21 days to have something in your life that's a blessing, to give it up, to lead you into prayer. And we're obviously not asking you to eat nothing for 21 days. I want to clarify that. That's we're we're talking fasting 101. We're just getting started together. So just choose an item or a, a food group or whatever it may be, uh, and and do that. Uh, you know, and, and and give that up. Uh, maybe it's sugar or caffeine. I know you all you football lovers. You could fast from the NFL for the next 21 days. Maybe. You'd be done before the Super Bowl. I mean, you'd miss a few things, but you know, for me personally, I'm going to fast from salads and broccoli and only eat pizza. <laughs> and watch football while I do it. No, I, no, I'm just serious. I actually was going to share it with you when I was fasting, but I decided not to. It's just personal to me uh, this this time. And here's the simple truth of it all. When properly motivated, fasting demonstrates faith and a commitment to God, and leads to a deeper relationship with Him. You read it again. When properly motivated, fasting demonstrates faith and a commitment to God, and leads to a deeper relationship with Him. So let's look at a few reasons the Bible gives us to fast. One is to hear from God. We read in Acts 13, verse 2, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So during this time of fasting, uh, the leaders of the church basically prayed together and the Spirit led them, and there are times in life where we have to make a significant decision as followers of Jesus Christ, or where we're hitting a wall with something in our life or as a church or as a community, and fasting is this tool that God gives us where we can fast as a church family together. In this case, we're wanting to pray in everything into the new year. I'll share about that in a moment. Or where maybe you're praying for something specific in your life or someone else's life. And uh, the Bible says one of the reasons we fast is to hear from God and to trust Him to lead us, that God will speak to us. And He doesn't always speak to us in our time frame. He doesn't always speak to us in the way that we want, but He does in His way and in His time. Uh, One of the ways, things that we're going to be doing over the next 21 days, starting today, you can start today or tomorrow, uh, but we're sending out via social media and through an email blast, a little video that's going to highlight one of the many ministries of encounter. And you're going to meet the many servants and volunteers from our church family. They're going to share a little bit about the ministry and some things you can pray about that day uh, while while we're fasting together. And So that's going to be happening. One will drop every day. If you're not on our email blast and you want to get that new haircut, There's a little box that says, just include me on your email blast. Put that in the offering, or I'll hand it to someone on the way out, and we'll add you to that. One of the other things we're asking you to pray about just in this season are two pastoral searches that are being launched this year for our executive pastor of ministries and for our worship arts pastor or director. Our worship arts pastor role, the search has already begun. It's been launched and we just ask you to be praying about that. Uh, pastor Jason, who we love and is an amazing worship leader. Uh, some of you may not realize this because you just he's all you've known, but he is our interim worship pastor. And he actually commutes sometimes up to two hours to get here uh, when he drives here from Pasadena. Uh, and he's just a pretty amazing leader. And trust us that we've tried to call him as our pastor Uh, But he actually has some really precious and good reasons uh, not to be our long-term pastor. He feels led. He shared, I asked him if I could share this, but he just feels led that in this season of his life, God wants to use him as an interim pastor to help churches in transition. And as a church family, can we just not say, yes, thank you, God, because the Lord sent him this, yeah. Uh, So we just praise God for Jason. You know, and you might be sitting here today and you might actually know someone. You're like, hey, they'd be great as our permanent worship pastor. Just have them apply. We're we're partnering with a search ministry named Slingshot, and anyone who wants to can apply uh, through that. Uh, We're also going to be starting an executive pastor of ministries search in the coming weeks, and we'll share more about that when it gets launched. But be praying about both those things. Another biblical reason for fasting is to intercede for others. Psalm 35, 13 says, But I, when they were sick, I wore sackcloth. I afflicted myself with fasting. I prayed with head bowed on my chest. Uh, There's a friend that I have in my life, I have a few, but there's one in particular, uh, that during the entire search that God used to lead me and my family to encounter, uh, was praying for me. And I can't tell you how many times in that search, I'm going to get emotional, but how many times in the search process at key moments they would reach out to me, and they'd just say, hey, John, last night I couldn't sleep, I just want you to know I prayed for you for hours. And I can't tell you how many times in the process and the journey that God used to affirm uh, our call in coming here, that that person, without knowing the details of what was going on in my life, would just reach out and say, hey, I'm, I'm interceding for you. I'm praying for you. I was burdened to pray for you. Intercession is a powerful ministry that God calls us to. And fasting is one of those things that it's a tool that God can use to focus your intercession for someone, your prayer focus for someone uh, when, when God leads you to. And God may actually be leading you right now that even though we're going to be praying the ministries of our church uh, into this new year over the next 21 days, but maybe there's one person that God is putting on your mind right now, That you're going to choose to pray for For the next 21 days And every time you get hungry When you're giving up that food Or every time you're not doing that activity That you generally do You're going to remember to pray for this one person That God's leading you to pray for in your life Um, And just let God lead you in that uh, Whatever it is you're choosing to give up for Him And be hungry for Him for And I just want to remind us That fasting is something that we can do We actually can Changing a heart is something we can't do and what I have found is sometimes when I have a season of prayer for a certain person is what I end up finding after I've prayed for them for so much time is I realize it was my heart that had to change uh, in the process and trust in the Lord sometimes. And fasting isn't a magic bullet to get what we want, but it, it, is, it does get us closer to God and allow us to intercede for others. Another biblical reason for fasting is as an act of repentance. Joel chapter 1, verse 14 says, Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders of all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there. Sometimes God will lead people to come together in a public expression of repentance through prayer and fasting. And I want to make clear that when we talk about fasting as an act of repentance, fasting doesn't earn our forgiveness. It doesn't make us forgiven faster. It doesn't make us forgiven more thoroughly. We are forgiven by Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross for us. But sometimes God will use fasting to help us to come to grips with our sin. And he'll use fasting to help us to get closer in connection with God's grace and the power of the cross. And at times God will lead people to fast for a church as an act of repentance for a city for a nation. In fact, that's what's going on in Joel with the nation of Israel in that passage. Another reason to fast is for strength and direction. And I would tell you, you know, I gave that, that list of who's who's of biblical fasters. You see it all through the New Testament where people will fast and pray for strength and direction for people and for the church. Acts 14:23 says, "...and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed." When Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in the church, they fasted and prayed for wisdom on who to appoint to those roles. Once they had appointed those leaders, they fasted and prayed again that they would have the empowerment from the Holy Spirit to do the ministries that they were called to. And so sometimes in life, if you don't know a big decision that you need to make, you're not sure what to do and you want God's wisdom, you take a season and you fast. And you ask God to give you wisdom. Or sometimes we know the right thing to do, but we don't have the strength to do it. And we'll fast for a season of time asking God to give us the strength to follow through with what he's leading us. And in the case of giving up food, basically you're becoming physically weak by giving up that food so that you can become spiritually strong. Uh, and focused and, and, and just with clarity before the Lord. Lastly, another reason to fast is as an act of worship. The Gospel of Luke says this about a woman named Anna She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So, look at some of the reasons we fast. We fast to hear from God, to intercede for others, for strength and for direction. As an act of repentance, as an act of worship. And I want to encourage all of you as we are just inviting you, you don't have to, but you're invited to join us for 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's a little bit like walking, it doesn't take a lot of training, all right? That's what's great about it. You just pick something that's a blessing and you choose to give it up for a while. Just ask the Lord, well, what would it be? You know, maybe it's chocolate, maybe it's TV. Maybe it's sports, I don't know. You know, maybe it's all bread or whatever your thing is that you love, that whenever you're not having that, instead you pray, or when you have the hunger or desire for it, it reminds you, oh, I'm gonna be praying for the ministries of encounter today. I'm gonna be praying for this friend today. And then just a couple tips focus on jesus when you fast matthew 9:14 says then the disciples of john came to him jesus saying why do we and the pharisees fast but your disciples do not fast and jesus said to them can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with him the day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast and it seems like a no brainer but don't miss the heart of fasting and miss jesus And Jesus instructed the disciples that when he was with them, hey, you don't need to fast right now. But he says, there's going to come a day when I won't be with you after I've died on the cross and risen and ascended to heaven. Then you're going to occasionally fast until I come back for my final return. And so when we fast, we, we want to focus on the grace of God. We want to focus on the power of the cross. And we want to remember that one day Jesus is going to come back and we are going to celebrate at the great wedding feast of the Lamb and we will never hunger again. Amen, church family? You know, I, I read a story recently uh, and it was about Jesus and the cross and it, it was like got everything wrong. And I, I th- kind of missed the whole point, but I thought I'd share it with you anyway. It went like this, that Jesus is on the cross and... He's dying there, and Peter is down the hill from the cross with Mary Magdalene comforting her. And all of a sudden, Peter hears Jesus whisper his name, Peter, Peter. And Peter, not wanting to forsake his Savior, he goes marching up the hill towards the cross, but the centurions come, and they grab him, they beat him up brutally, and they knock him down the hill, and he's back down there with Mary Magdalene, and there he is down there, and all of a sudden, he hears even fainter Jesus on the cross saying, Peter, Peter. And again, not wanting to forsake his Savior, in pain, he marches back up that hill and he gets out a ladder and he puts it against the cross and begins the it. and the centurions knock down the ladder. They beat him up again. He falls back down the hill and down there he is with Mary Magdalene. All of a sudden, he hears even fainter, Peter. Peter, and so he marches back up there in pain. He puts that ladder back up again. He just climbs up to the top of it, getting face-to-face with Jesus just before the centurions get there to knock down the ladder. And he's looking Jesus face-to-face, and all of a sudden, Jesus looks at him and he says, Peter, Peter, I can see your house from here. (laughs) Now, the reason I share that story is to show you that your pastor has a horrible sense of humor, first of all. But more to say this, sometimes we completely miss the point. And that story gets everything wrong. And sometimes when we are doing a spiritual discipline, we get so focused on the thing that we miss the purpose. And the purpose of fasting is to draw your heart in line with the heart of Jesus Christ. And so as you fast, one of the things to remember is just remember, man, you're forgiven. And you're walking in grace. And the Holy Spirit actually does want to talk to you. And he does want to lead his church called Encounter into this new year. And to bless the ministries. And to reach many people for Christ. And to build up leaders and disciple makers. And build families. And reach, reach many, many people. And he desires to lead us. And then lastly, one final tip. That is just don't be legalistic. And I know as soon as I say that, it sounds legalistic. Don't be be legalistic. But here's the thing. Fasting is an act of devotion. So don't get lost in the, you know, just the, the path of your fast or the fine print of your fast. It is a devotion of the heart. And fasting is a way to connect with God. And sometimes it's going to be challenging because you're giving up something. And there may come a time halfway through where you kind of blow it. You're like, I wasn't gonna eat chocolate for 21 days, and man, I saw it on the table and I, I ate it. And then you start beating yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. You're in His grace. Just start back again, praying and bringing those things to the Lord. Because our purpose in fasting is not to persuade God to love us more. It's not. It's not to get spiritual brownie points. It's not to make God do what we want Him to do is to draw our hearts closer to Him, remembering that fasting is a way to feast on the goodness of God. And so I ask you as I close, what might God lead you to give up for 21 days that would draw your heart into Him where you replace your hunger for that thing or that activity with a hunger for the Lord and with prayer? Would you pray with me? Father God, you love it when your people draw close to you. And Lord, we want to commit the next 21 days to you as a church family. We ask you to lead us as an entire church together, Lord. Lord, people who maybe have just joined us for the first time today and people who have been a part of Encounter for a long time. And Lord, we offer this fast to you with just a prayer of saying, lead us, empower us as a church. We need you, and we desire to know you in a better way. And Lord, I just pray your blessing over people. Lord, fasting is a discipline, and it's a challenge, but I just pray you'll bless people as they seek you in this. Thank you, God. We love you. Amen.